Kid. Welcome, welcome, everybody, back to another episode of the Handsome Home Buyer Podcast. I am Charles, aka the Handsome Home Buyer, aka Captain Perfect, aka Maddie. Don't drop the fucking ball this time. El judío maravilloso. Well, you need to. Pro- I think you need to project a little more. One more time. I got, I got retainer. One more time for the. <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, all those things and uh, and more. So t- I want to talk about today's guest. Drop back into the shameless plug as usual, and then go into the madness. So. Unfortunately for Juan Baranecci, he's about to be overthrown as having the longest resume, most impressive resume on the Handsome Home Buyer podcast. Uh, he was on last week. Anybody hasn't checked it out, you should check it out. Unbelievable, rising star, young hustler, doing crazy things. Unbelievably hot Latin girls on his Instagram. Check it out at the Latino agent. But again, He's taken right now, ladies, so unfortunately you don't get a piece of that. But men out there, check it out. I highly recommend. Look, don't touch. You're playing with fire. The Latin women are fuego. So, I'm going to have to take a deep breath for this. And then, like, I'm going to do my best micro-machine guy (laughs) that I can. Okay. Today's guest is a New York State certified instructor. 2009 Vice President of LIBOR, 2017 and 18 President of YPN, 2018 and 19 Chairperson of RPAC, Professional Standards Committee LIBOR, Grievance Committee LIBOR, Legislative Committee LIBOR, Housing Opportunities Committee, NAR, NISAR, and LIBOR, MLS Issues and Policies Committees of NISAR. Hold on, I gotta take a breath. Back in. Public Relations Committee LIBOR, 2016 to 2019 Director of NISAR, 2017 to 2018 Director of LIBOR, 2019 to 2020 Director of NAR, uh, Real Estate Designations and Accommodations, 2018 Realtor of the Year LIBOR, Pricing Strategies Advisor, PSA, Instructor Training Institute, Top 20 Under 40 Rising Stars of Real Estate Award Recipient LIBOR Award. Um, in his spare time, he leaps tall buildings with a single bound. He can vaporize cars with his eyes. He'll probably run for president one day, but most importantly, has one of the cutest kids I've ever seen in my life. With Two of the cutest now. I only see the one with the hair. Maybe I focus in on the hair because I'm like, I really want hair and I wish my hair looked like that. Uh, Kyle Kelly. Realty How's Connect. it going? Hey, what do you think about that intro? I like it, except a uh, little flub. It's 2019, not 2009. Vice President Livewire. Fuck. Maddie, did I really say that, Maddie? Did you hear that? Thanks. That's all. All right, listen, you can't be perfect all the time. Even Handsome's not perfect all the time. Um, I got to write that down in order to even know what I do. Dude, that was intense. That was was intense. And I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what? I didn't know all those things about you. And as as long as I've known you as cool as we are, I'm like, I got to delve in. We got to dig deep. Uh Uh-oh. Into in, in into who Kyle Kelly is and where he comes from and what he's doing and what's going on because I think I want to know most importantly that's why I have this podcast I'm like yo I get to talk to cool people right I don't know if anybody else listens to this but at least I get to hang out and have a good time I listen to it at least. right all right there we go so and I didn't know this you because for some reason you don't have a hardcore New York accent no I have. I the do. further I get from New York, the more I sound like Andrew Dice Clay. There you go. You know, I get out to Colorado. I'm like, there hey, you how you doing? Give me a quarter for the phone. You know. There you go. <laughs> Were you, but you grew up in Long Island, I right? I grew up in Long Island, yeah. When I think of you, I think obviously like just you're involved in everything. Everybody knows you. You're kind of like really trying to just push real estate and, and push agents and coach and do like a lot of just great I things in general. I want to restructure in the industry in general. 
I mean, that's what I think when I think of you. The first thing that comes to my mind is like Mr. Patchog and just all the good you're doing on uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like uh, on a, like a presidential level, like a, on, on a political level in the industry to really to make it happen, which is very cool. Well, I've only been in it about nine years. Okay. And in those nine years, um, how old are you? I just turned forty. Okay. How is that? I'm turning 40 at the end of the year. Yeah. Is it like, what am I in for? 30 was harder. Really? 31 was, I think, the worst. Was the worst year of your life? 31. Why? Hit me because I am closer to 40 than I am to 21. Really? That was like the real revelation. See, when I I think 31, I'm like, this is great. 40, 40, I feel like I'm 30. Like, 40 is great. When I'm 31, I'm like, I'm going to crush 20 year olds. I'm going to crush 40 year olds. (laughs) You're thinking, I'm. I'm a big Gary Vee subscriber and, uh-huh. and you know he said life is long I used to say life is short life is short life is short life is long no you know, I'm like 40 like I'm gonna live to 90 100 like I got a lot of years I, I heard at 40 go. everything starts to break is that true I've been breaking for a while yeah yeah, yeah. my back's been out for 20 years 35 yeah. so that that brings me to my first question my first thing that pops in my head it's like alright so you're you're 40 a young 40 um, you got into this industry at 31 what were you doing before that? And then what led you into what real estate? What wasn't I doing? What wasn't I doing? So I say I'm... What ser- are you doing now? I was a serial entrepreneur. I, uh, <clears throat> just before I owned a restaurant. So 2007, oh, yeah? 2008, uh, about 14 months is all it took to lose every dollar I ever had in my life. Um, but it's a good time to do it. I, yeah. You know, I was, I was in my, my late 20s. Okay. I had just gotten married. And uh, to lose everything at that point... Long story long, I had a uh, construction company before that. We Jesus. did really well. I sold the construction company to my partner, uh, signed a non-compete. Mm-hmm. I'm taking all my money and my wedding money, and I'm going balls in with my family to open up this restaurant. Was this and in Patchogue? This was in uh, East Iceland. Okay. Where, Only Jack- just- where Jackson Hall is now. Okay. Actually, so if anybody knows it over in uh, in East Islip, it's uh, is that on the South Side of America Road, right where you turned down to go into Highway, just west of where. Um, Sunken Metal Parkway. Do you turn down and go to the moorings down there? No, that's further west. Dude, the moorings is crazy. Yeah, it's insane over there. Well, when we bought the restaurant, Mm -hmm. it was based on the money that was coming from South of Montauk, Islip area. Okay. That was real estate money. That was Wall Street money. What year was this? 2006 was negotiations. Yeah. 2007 paid through the hilt for it. Bro, so that's not even and your crash crash done. That's not Nobody's even your... going out to eat, drink Man, anymore. No. I mean, no. bro, God himself no, couldn't have made people show no, up to a restaurant in 2009. I mean, we, we were doing, you know, $10 pasta all you could eat night trying to get people in the door. And it just nothing. nothing. Wow. Yeah, so we went from uh, projecting $35,000 a week to lucky to do $35,000 a month. Wow. And we closed our doors, you know, after throwing good money after bad money 14 months later. You know what's crazy about that industry? So I've been doing a decent amount with of, of um, research on that. Because A, I like different businesses. And then B, when I'm doing these development deals that I'm structuring, I'm like, you know, maybe I'll put a restaurant here or whatever, a rooftop thing, talk to some of like the local guys. I'm like, I look, I'm like, Three to five percent gross margin. Right. No, it's disgusting. What? Am, what? I'm like, why is there a restaurant I, in every corner? I got into real estate after the failure of the restaurant because I was twiddling my thumbs for a while. Going, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do but next? We, and I always said real estate was going to be a means to an end to open another restaurant. 
Oh, really? Now that I make money in real estate, I'll sit on this side of the bar. I don't need anything to do with that. That'll be my retirement. Campaign. What was it about the What was it about the restaurant industry that you that you really liked? Because that's I, a tough freaking business. Restaurant bro. business and home improvement business. Since I was 13 years old, I've been involved. Well, you obviously you're so, a worker. Like you bust your ass, bro. You're out my, there. My next door neighbor was a manager of a restaurant, very popular restaurant back in the 80s and 90s, Mike's Place in Quorum. Okay. And. Uh, he now is, his name is Jack. He owns Grumpy Jackson Port Jeff. Okay. He was the manager. I was best friends with his kids. And at 13, 14 years old, it was, hey, we need a dishwasher. Hey, we need a bus kid. You know, get some of the kids in. And we started in that kitchen and started bussing tables and always just worked, worked, worked. I mean, by the time I was 17, senior year of high school, I was going out with bartenders all the time. I'd never even be an ID, nothing, you know. Good I was just in the business. I was just, everybody knew me in the business. Female, Loved female, it. Hot female bartenders. A lot of hot females. Yes. Yeah. yes. I always wanted to be a chef. Talk to me. I, uh, Keep talking to me. Talk dirty. I, I was going to the CIA. I was accepted into Culinary Institute. Oh, yeah? And then I started bartending. And I said, get me out of the kitchen. You know, give me, give can me you the cook? front of the house. Can you cook? Uh, I can still cook. Not as good as I used to. You know, my my wife mean, will tell you, why don't you cook anymore? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I wanted to be a chef. I, I love the business. Wow. And then got into bartending and said, screw the back of the house. Give me the front of the can house. Can you do any of those trips, uh, those tricks like Tom Cruise and cocktail? I used to, I used to love flair bartending. And, you, can, know, you can do all that classes. stuff? I'd probably drop everything you threw at me now. But yeah, I used to, I used to be that guy. <laughs> side note, side handsome note. And I told this to Mike Murphy and he said he was going to get me. Oh, Mike said he'll give you that. Uh, yeah, the I'm still spot, waiting for that call, spot, Mike. Yeah. Um, right. Mike, I'm going to set him up with a guest spot in Patchogue if you don't get him soon. So. All I ever wanted to do was bartend. And it's like one of those things that I never got to do. I mean, I a I don't drink, never been drunk, never drank at all, and I don't even. I think I can make a screwdriver. You make a great bartender. Sort of. You make a great bartender. This goes back to my conversation with him, where I was like, "Listen, I was like, you know what I should have done? I thought about this, but didn't end up doing it because I didn't bartend. But I'm like, I would have been the best bartender in a gay bar known to man, right? I was chiseled out of my mind. I was like, I don't like the guys. I don't freaking drink. I can flirt and have a good time. I make freaking so much money. Yep. Without that. Yeah. Right. Without that. Yeah. Yeah, so it was always a restaurant was a love, home improvement was a love, and lost it all. So then just twiddling my thumbs, and what do I do next? And I actually had to find a new apartment for me and my wife. Wow. Couldn't afford where we were living after we lost everything. Wow. And there was a, I had worked with an agent in the past, and I, and I kill myself, I kick myself all the time for doing this, but I worked with an agent in the past. She set me up with a listing book account. Listing book was one of the, the cool new features back then. And, well, uh, how did you find real like so? Well, I was just looking for apartments, looking for a place to live, and I okay. found this house on the on on a lake in Patchogue, and I went and put a post-it note on the door saying, "I'd rather not work with a realtor. Can you give me a call? I want to rent your house." Okay. And the landlord called me, and we ended up renting the house, and uh, didn't pay the realtor fee. Okay. And I was like, "All right, I won," you know. And then I was like, I kind of like this real estate thing. Let me check it out. Maybe I'll go get my license. So wow, went and got my license. And again, it was always going to be a means to an ends. You know, maybe maybe I'll just try this. I hear you can make money in it, and then I'll open up a restaurant when I make good money. And my first year in real estate, I killed it. I made six hundred and thirty-two dollars that year. <laughs> don't, don't worry. My second year, I, I doubled my income. I thought you were about to say six hundred thirty-two thousand. I'm like, yeah. Six hundred thirty-two dollars my first year. In I'm real like, estate. I'm not flipping while, anymore. While swinging a hammer, while bartending, while cooking, while doing everything else under the wow. sun, except for focusing. Don't on Don't you miss life. those days, though? I love that shit. Yes and no. I yes love the no. fuck. I still bartend from time to time. Crap. I still do over not, at eighty nine North. But I didn't mean like you know. I didn't mean the bartending. I meant like the process of the struggle. 
Well, it's like, still a struggle. It's still work. I love working every day. I love working towards a goal. You know, once I've hit that goal, I set the next goal because I love, yeah, I love yeah. That, that building part of it. Because, like, I, I mean, I was thinking back the other day and I'm like, you know what? I'm like, the most, like, profound moments of my life where I had the greatest change that impacted me the most, that set the stage for whatever the next period was, was, like, the periods of, like, just the greatest struggle, yeah. right? The most just gut-wrenching, shittiest moments of your life set the stage for like unbelievable growth throw in the towel or continue to grow now i like i I welcome it i'm like all right bring on the discomfort bring on the shit because i know something great is going to happen you know we have i said i have two really cute kids i actually have three i don't know if you knew that about me well you just had the third one yeah a 20 year old who lives down in virginia beach are you are you are you done oh i'm done done now yeah i've got that 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 bag of peas waiting for me oh do you (laughs) making that i heard you can uh, if you're in by eight you can uh, be mowing the lawn by 12 right yeah my buddy just had it done everybody keeps saying it's not that bad. and then you can just spray with reckless abandon just go out there and fire (laughs) off with reckless abandon well my wife will tell you okay as long as it's in one spot (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah so i have a 20 year old right and then i have a four year old and a newborn okay and I always thought my life was really hard when I had this twenty, when I had this kid when I was twenty, mm-hmm. you know? and then I really thought life was hard when I had this this newborn and I'm trying to start my real estate business. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, cool. Well, you know, one of them takes up hundred percent of your time. You might as well have more. It's not going to take. Wow. Well, that time. was the first thing that came to mind when you said. It. I'm like, yo, as I as I'm thinking about how I just read through like three pages of accomplishments and like and just what you're doing now, like time management. How do you biggest do that? Biggest, big, that was the biggest problem, the biggest issue with trying to be successful in real estate. Uh-huh. Um, you know, what I did by year three, when I, when I, I really wasn't going to make it, it was like, am I going to try real estate or am I just done with this thing? Like, do I really want to renew my Because you weren't all in. I wasn't all in. I wasn't all in at all. That's a very interesting, con- very interesting thing. And I said, well, any other business that I've had, I've written a business plan. Why don't I have a business plan? So I wrote a business plan for real estate. And then I went all in on real estate. And I made, year three, I probably made sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000. I was like, okay, I can make a living at this, okay. but I want to make a hell of a lot more than that. I go get a management job at Kohl's if I want to make sixty grand a year. So then I said, what do I really need? And time management was the key. Blocking off my day, really setting up, no, this is when I deal with clients. This is when I deal with family. This is when I deal with emergencies. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty good at time blocking now. And, and that's really what's which helped me get to that next level. That's really interesting because that's like, that's my, that's my biggest issue. That's what I always struggle with. I'm like, I'm the creative guy. I'm like, let's go. I'll do like whatever. Like if I have an idea, I'm like, I'm going to run with it immediately. But like my organizational skills, like that's not my strong suit. My morning, my evening ends with me planning out the morning. And then my morning starts with me just blocking out my day. Where am I every day? Everything goes in my phone, in that calendar. If it's not my calendar, I yeah. forget. It's not there. But it's by the hour. What am I doing throughout the day? No, that's smart. And Juan actually was talking about the same thing. He goes, for like the rest of my life, I set up this grid in my phone where it blocks my time. Yeah. For 30 minute blocks. He goes, I run my life in 30 minute blocks. Yeah. I, I run mine in hour blocks. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, whatever works for anybody else. My life is complete and total chaos all the time. And I realized not that long ago that... I only function well in chaos. Like, I went into the office the other, like, maybe... I, I believe I function well in chaos, but I know I need to be more pragmatic to be successful at it. I, I need it. Like, I actually... I like did. being pushed to the edge. We all, we're all this type A, being pushed right to the edge, you know, when, when everything's falling apart is when you just rise to the top, right? But... At some the same people, time, or some people just time, melt. You gotta, you gotta take steps. 
You got to yeah. take the steps, and those steps need to be planned out. You know? No, that makes sense. That's that's something that uh, I'm working on. But you found that that keeps you more productive. Yeah. And I mean, what do you think of the concept? I'm just curious to know what you think about it. The concept of work-life balance. Do you believe it exists? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. no. Or maybe it's just different yeah. for everybody. It, it is. It is. And you know, so I used to say, you know, in my spiel when I go out, be introduced for speaking or whatever. Uh, but most importantly, a stay-at-home dad. Mm-hmm. And my wife was like, would you shut up? You're not a stay-at-home dad. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, but you work. And I, she, yeah, you're at work. You're a working dad. Yeah. Like, you know, because you can work from home every now and then doesn't make you a stay-at-home dad. I like I like that your wife did that, though. Oh, yeah. She said, just shut up. You're not a stay-at-home dad. Knock it off. It's just very, I mean, it's, it's, it's just cool. It shows like a certain, like, a certain level of respect and support, which is yeah. nice. Yeah. Which is very that. nice. Yeah. Without her, this this wouldn't work. Well, she's a teacher, so she's got the benefits. She's got the oh, pension. Yeah, you know, like, Listen, I still, yo, the yeah, benefit, still gravy with that one. The benefits are, yeah. The benefits, yeah. I mean, you can't even. So the interesting thing about you is like when I when I think about you being that you're like just the poster boy for the industry in general, okay. I'm like, this guy's this guy should be a broker. Why isn't he a broker? Or, you know, we're going to be a broker <laughs> one day. Yep. And then we just had a conversation before off air. Which you told me that you where were you before Realty Connect? Colwell. So you were Colwell before, and then you met um, Mr. Fitzgerald yep. at Realty Connect, Realty and Connect. you were like, "I don't need the liability and the nonsense associated with being a broker." I'm like, "This is the place I want to be. This is how I run my business." Yeah. I'm curious to hear about that. So, again, serial entrepreneur. When I got into real estate, it was well, how do I become a broker? okay, I need two years and I need a certain amount of transactions and I'm going to become a broker. And I, I would keep track of all my transactions. You know, after two years, I had a couple. But then I was like, all right, I'm doing, I'm doing all right in this. Let me keep track. I want to go get my broker's license. I'm going to open up a brokerage. I'm going to do it all differently. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was the goal. That was the mindset. Then after a while, yeah, okay, I don't really need that headache. I don't need that liability, that responsibility. I could make more money as an agent. Let me ask you this. Well, forget about the money for a second. I hear like big producers say this all the time, and I'm just curious to know like why they think that they're like, I don't need the liability, I don't need the liability. Is there crazy liability in being a brokerage? Like this sh- broker, does shit go down? There truly is a lot of liability in being the broker. Because it really is. I kind of feel like our industry is like the wild, wild west. I'm like, how many people are stepping up and taking the responsibility for it, and how many people are skating by by the skin of their teeth and you know hoping that they don't get caught doing what they're doing that's that's a scary thing about because i almost feel like there's no regulation like i've i've been in situations where i've talked to people who are like really upset with something that an agent did that was like over the top messed up and they were like yo it doesn't matter who you call you call the state you call this you call that like nobody does anything you call libor like you call anybody nobody cares it's false and i'll tell you i'll tell you why it's false we are a self-policing industry okay and if we don't police ourselves we're going to lose the right to police ourselves so we do have the grievance committee. We do have the professional standards committee. So if you feel another agent is violating the code of ethics, is doing something you know that that is against our bylaws, okay, it's on the agent to make a claim against that other agent. It's on us to police ourselves, and it's a big responsibility. M- most of the agents. Well, I don't want to cause any headaches. Well, I don't. I don't, I don't want to cause any rifts or any problems between me and that other agent. You know, I don't want to be the, the guy dropping the dime. Well, if we don't drop the dime, we're going to lose the ability to. And the state's going to step in. And they're going to say, you don't regulate yourselves well enough. We need to regulate. Is this something that's like on the radar that this, is happening or has this, the potential to happen? This has the potential to happen. In like the not-so-distant future? Yeah. Because what, there's customer complaints coming in and there's just no action there? When there, when there are customer complaints, so the Department of State takes any complaint from the public 
to the highest and, and really holds the brokers very accountable for it. Really? Yeah. But it's more of a agent to agent, broker to broker, we need to be reining everybody in that's not doing this the right way. Hmm. You, you say it all the time. There's 27,000 licensed agents on Long Island, right? 1,200 of them are doing 99% of the business. Yeah. Yeah. 1,200 of them. Yeah. Right? So when you have agents going rogue, when you have agents just not following the code of ethics, you have agents just not doing the right thing, it's on us to be able to say, hey, we got to stop this. We got That's what's causing a bad name for us in this industry. Most people look at real estate salespeople as one step above a used car salesperson. Right? The, the public just doesn't hold us in high regard. Yet we're the ones out there fighting for home ownership, fighting for the rights of homeowners, trying to reduce taxes. You know, we were just up at Lobby Day in Albany, sitting in front of state legislators, trying to get, you know, more tax reduction. We got the state uh, tax cap implemented at two percent. Uh, we're fighting for that mortgage interest deduction. We're fighting for salt to be brought back. I'll be in D.C. next week doing the same thing, sitting with Congress. These are the things that we do as an industry, and the public looks at us as some sleazy sales guy you know is just trying to make a commission bro let me tell you something if i was a girl you'd have a problem right now you are fucking sexy i love oh, it God. i feel the passion i just <laughs> nicknamed you in this moment the wyatt earp of long island real estate wyatt earp wyatt, wyatt earp, earp bro i love it i'm feeding off it, it off. it's freaking Take great it yeah See, so that- so i would say you know to that i'd say it's on the agent to go ahead and report these other agents that are not doing the right thing that are living by the wild wild west code and not by our code and then the grievance committee reviews it, uh-huh. and then they send it up to professional standards as professional standards hearings. Are you, like, so I know, I mean, again, that was intense, so forgive yeah. me if I forget any of that or, like, don't remember exactly how, but I feel like you're the guy to fucking spearhead this thing. I mean, you're, you're on the grievance committee. I'm on grievance. I'm on I remember seeing standards. Yeah. So what are you guys doing, right? Like, what are you guys doing? What's the plan going forward to make sure that the state doesn't come in and just basically... We prove to the state every day. So when we go up uh, twice a year for our New York State business meetings, uh, we've, there's a working group called Article 12A. Article 12A deals with all of licensed law. Okay. And we work side by side with Department of State. And we're constantly proving to the Department of State how much we are really policing our industry. Okay. Every board of directors meeting, we go over how many uh, grievance cases were there, how many professional standards cases were there, what were the final outcomes of them. On the executive committee, we review the final outcomes of the professional standards committee on a monthly basis. There's there's always cases going on. There's always something going on. Is it really? I mean, I don't I don't really hear about it. Are there are there act, there are active grievance cases and things oh, going yeah. on? Oh yeah. I, yeah. Grievance committee meets. I believe it's uh, one first Monday of every month. And then Professional Standards Committee meets when it has to meet for, for a review of a case. So I'm curious to know, just to like, I like like getting inside people's heads to understand yeah. why they do things. You're very active in that. Yeah. And it takes a lot of your time and you have a family and you have a business that you're running. Why do you do that? Why? Why? Yeah, what's like, I and you're that, obviously like, yeah. bro, I that's that like, all the time. you're super passionate about it. Like I felt the fire coming across the microphone right now. So two stages. Why did I do it in the beginning? Yeah. I made $632 my first year in real estate. I had nothing else to do. It was a <laughs> shitty market. Oh, you've been doing this for that? You've been involved on that level for that long? For about eight years, eight of the nine years. Oh, yeah. shit, okay. So there was nothing else to do. And I said, if I want to be successful in this, I need to surround myself with successful people. Okay. Without a doubt. So where are the successful people? And I found most of them were involved, were involved in the industry on some level. So my mentor was... Uh, Kate Conquest, Kate Kaplinka back then, Kate Conquest now. Who is she working with? She was a VP of uh, Coldwell Banker M&D Good Life. She now works for Realogy. She works for, for the mothership, they call it. And um, 
when I met her, she's I, I had said, what's this Lobby Day thing? There was this pop-up on Stratus. She's like, oh, you got to come. And the first thing I ever went to was Lobby Day where we go and lobby assembly and Senate for you know, the legislation that's coming down the pipeline or against the legislation coming down the pipe. I said, wow, like you can really make a difference in this industry. I saw it firsthand. So I got involved because there was nothing else to do. And it was, what, what more can I get involved in? What more can I get involved in? Now people say, how are you still involved while you're this busy yeah. and you're running your business? And yeah. why, right? My standpoint on that is this. I have the opportunity to be a decision maker for the industry. I have the opportunity to be in the room when the decisions are being made about my career, about how I make money. That makes sense. Right. So when I get these agents back in the office that have never been involved, that have never been to a state meeting, never been to a LIBOR meeting, not involved on any committees, and they go, why did they just make that ruling? Why did they just change that? Why did the state do this? I don't want to be that guy complaining. I want to be the guy in the room. Yeah. If I'm not in the room, I want to be the guy making the decision. So this is my opportunity to shape, yes, the industry, but also shape my career and make sure that I'm protected in the way I want to earn my money going forward. No, I mean, that that's smart. And it's like, I don't think people that don't get, like people that don't get involved don't have the right to complain. Well, we, all things... have, we all have the right. Like it's just, well, those who don't vote can't complain about the president, right? No, we all have the right to complain. But if you want to make change, there's an avenue to make change. Which is, I mean, that obviously it's it's apparent that that is just the entrepreneur in you as well. Yeah, yeah. It's it's nonstop for me. It's nonstop for me. You know. You love the action. I, I do. I do. And it, I think I'd be just too bored if I wasn't involved on so many different levels. And you know, I did have to scale a little back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with, with the newborn, with the baby, with the family. Sometimes you got to take a step. Wait, back you have three say, boys. Okay, I have three boys. Yeah. Really. Sometimes, sometimes you got to take that step back. You know, I'm going to ask you the question, right? Go for it. How do you get the boys? Uh, I don't know, but if there's any girls out there that you know just want to have the boy, I make boys. <laughs> I'm convinced. Do you do you know what I think it is? I've been told by so. All right, very quick background story. Uh, if I have kids, all I really want to have is boys, right? Because boys are a lot easier. If if I had a daughter, she'd be locked in the basement until she was too old to date. Like I, I don't want her meeting people like me. <laughs> it's like I, I'm like I don't. I'm like that would too much what, pressure to, to have a daughter. That would force me to drink. It would force me to buy a fire. I'm just like I have two sisters, love them to death. Yeah. Like my mom told me on the DL. I got like, a little sister. Love you're a lot sister. easier than the girls were. So I'm. I was told by a, a friend of mine that only has boys that you got to go deep into the left, right? And then you have to think about just horrifying manly stuff like you got to think about like decapitating somebody or something like that i would say just drink good whiskey you're not a drinker no i'm not a drinker yeah i'd say anytime i had really good whiskey is when uh, we ended up pregnant you know what i think though well this is what i think i think anybody that has a lot of boys really has is packing a hammer and this is why i'll tell you because you know how the male sperm swims and i'm sorry for my listeners but this is more for me than it is for you um, he said we're going deep, right? Yeah, literally <laughs> and figuratively. So you know how the male sperm swims? There's more of it, but it swims slower or it swims faster, but it dies faster. There's something like that. So You do a lot of research. There's something this, about this, right? So I'm convinced that if you have a hammer, you're actually kind of sp- literally spraying the egg versus going shallow. So you have this three boys, three yeah. chances. Good for you, good for your wife, good for your sons, because obviously anybody they'll inherit that. Anybody out there who's, oh, we've been trying to get pregnant, trying to get pregnant, stop trying, get drunk, go buy something you can't afford, go on a vacation you can't afford, and sure, oh my God, I'm pregnant, is what's going to happen. Really? <laughs> yeah. 
All right. This is good. Notes I, I appreciate that. I want to delve into the Realty Connect thing, right? Because sure. you, you really seem to... Yeah. You really seem to love them. Yes. I want to know, I'm curious to know, like, what was it about them? And again, you being like this guy, like, I want to open my own brokerage. Why are you like, no, this is the place I got to be? So I was on the verge of opening up my own brokerage. I had had an investor lined up, but I started getting offers from other companies. I I said, you know what, let me go interview with other companies. If not for anything, just to see how they operate. You know, I, I only know how Colwell operates. Let me see how these other companies operate. So I interviewed with Remax. I interviewed with Exit. I interviewed with Better Homes. I interviewed with quite a few out there. And I was not going Realty Connect. There was no way on earth I was going Realty Connect because all I kept hearing about Realty Connect is, yeah, you get 90%, but they give you no support. There's no training. There's no agent support. You don't even have an office manager, right? So you keep hearing all these negative things about it. And then two of my colleagues left Colwell, went over to Realty Connect overnight. And I was like, oh God, all right, here it comes. And then I noticed another one leave. Then I noticed another one leave. I'm like, why is everybody going over to Realty Connect? So I called my one buddy and he's like, Kyle, you'd be stupid not to at least interview with John. You have to go sit with him. What's stopping you? I said, ah, I'm not going over there. I'm not going over there. He's like, Kyle, you're an idiot. He's like, just go interview with him. If anything, go learn from him. Go see how he operates. I walked in the room and John Fitzgerald is a vice president of the MLS. Mm-hmm. So... I've seen him, I've met him, I've talked to him, but never put two and two together who he was. Okay. I walked in the room, I was like, you're John Fitzgerald? You're Kyle Kelly? Okay, we know each other. We just never worked together, never you know, never on that level. So we sat down, he went over his company, he went over his structure, and I said, one, you're not the big bad wolf that everybody makes you out to be. He said, well, you know, when agents are all leaving their companies to come to me, the other brokers have to talk shit, basically. Um, but I said, two, this is the way I would run my business. This is exactly how I'd run my brokerage if I would open up my brokerage. And I want to open up in Patchogue. There's 17 other brokers in Patchogue. I don't want to be number 18 who's doing it the way somebody else is already doing it. So why am I going to try to fight fire? Let me go ahead and join them. And honestly, my only regret is not joining them sooner. Really? Yeah. I love the structure. I love the support. I love the training. Everything that they say you don't get at Realty Connect, you actually get tenfold. Really? Huh. And you get your 90%. So you can't open up a brokerage and operate on 10%. (laughs) I mean, it just, um, what meaning if you're not doing the volume, if you're not like, if you don't have the agent, because you're you're, you're not giving the value. If you open up a brokerage, it's going to cost you a whole lot more than 10% to to operate. Now it costs me 10%. And I operate. Oh, okay. Now I understand what you're saying. And with with zero liability. Yeah. Well, yeah, there, there always is liability, but. More liability passed on to the broker. Yeah, so if you're a broker, you basically have agents working under you, so you have the liability of all those agents. All the agents yeah. Versus now, you just you worry about yourself. Right. Plus, I always tell people, I was like, because you know, this this is my thing. Like, I think I've never met Mr. Fitzgerald. I, I haven't. I would love to. Awesome guy. But, and I've heard good things about him. I've never heard bad things about him. I feel like as a whole, there's there's a void in the brokerage world. Yep. Like that, I just feel like agents aren't being serviced the way that they they should. Um, I mean, my I'm actually, my father's at Realty Connect. I put him there. I am very happy with the model. I like what they do over yep. there. So it's good stuff. But at this point, you it seems like the the entrepreneurial itch is still getting at you because you, I mean, are forever getting at you because you want to now take it to another level within Realty Connect and build a team. Right. Do you currently so, have a team? I do. I okay. Do. I have a small team. Okay. And uh, I don't have the dreams and the visions of having this extremely large team. I have the dream and vision of having a team that operates where I can walk away 
we're we're gonna quote Michael Murphy for a second here. Bigger isn't better. Yeah. Better is better. Better is better. Better is yeah, better. Yeah. I got the sweatshirt so, on the floor. I got to bring it over to him later. You know, in the in the restaurant business, when I worked at Mike's place, Mike Cruckle, the owner of Mike's, would show up on Monday Night Football, Super Bowl, some of the big sporting events. Hey, who are you? You work for me? Mm-hmm. Right. He taught me that you are not in business until you can walk away from your business and your business still makes you money. 100% true. Right? If you have to be operating your business, you work for your business, your business doesn't work for you. Yeah. So my idea of building the team is to have that team operate where it's working for me and I can walk away and I can work on other passions, work on other avenues, or spend more time with the family. So You know what would be an interesting to concept be... too? And maybe this has happened and I just don't know about it. When, when a business like when that becomes a business like a self-sustaining business right when you are not involved in the day-to-day like that anymore it becomes an asset that can be sold like exactly. like a real estate brokerage even though it's not yep. have you ever seen any leaders of teams like sell a team one so far that I know of really yeah. who did that uh, and uh, this is rumor and hearsay but I hear that's what Rita did over at Remax interesting yeah. well that would make sense but she, I know she's still operating so I don't know what she actually sold or what she did over there, but that that was that's what I've been told. That would be interesting. Yeah. Huh. I mean, it's a freaking brilliant idea. And and it's I feel like it's something that not everybody knows, but you ever read the E-Myth Revisited? Or the no. E-Myth? E-Myth is an awesome freaking book, right? Okay. Life-changing book. So basically, it says that everybody has different type of personalities, right? It says that there's they have mentalities. They have a worker mentality, a manager, manager mentality, and an entrepreneur mentality, right? The problem is that people that are in business get stuck in either the worker mentality or the manager mentality and never elevate themselves to the entrepreneur mentality. They're too much working in their business, not on their business. So it tells everybody that you basically have to design every business like a franchise, as if you were gonna franchise it. So you have standard operating procedure, and you do every job, and then you write a manual for it, and then you hire to replace yourself based off the manual that you just wrote. The cool thing for me was like, I owned a franchise back in the day. I owned a Mako body shop. So I got the kind of, after reading that, and seeing the way the structure was, like I really thoroughly got it. it. And I'm like, great, this is how I have to structure my businesses going forward. A, I don't think a lot of people understand that. And then B, even when you understand it, it's really freaking hard. It's still hard. Yeah. Can, can you replicate is the biggest thing. It's hard. So there's, one of my mentors in this is Joe Magsaysay. He's a uh, KW agent out of St. Louis. So I've had the benefit being past president of YPN, being an instructor, being a speaker, of traveling the nation and just really just networking with other leaders, other team builders, other young professionals throughout the nation and seeing how they do it. Okay. And... He, what what Joe has done, he started his team in St. Louis and he got them to a high performing level and he would vacation in Florida all the time. So then he took that and did it in Florida. So now he had his two teams. Mm -hmm. And then he said, I want one in California. So he started a team in California. Over the past five years, he's developed six teams in six different states. Now he operates from home on the phone, Mm -hmm. has his conference calls, checks in on them once a month to make sure they're operating by his protocol, by his procedures. But they he basically set up many franchises of how his team operates. Do you, do you know the, I, you might not know, do you know the average number of people in his team per state? I don't. I'm just be curious right. to know. I mean, I'm just curious to know also like what the value the agents are seeing in him remotely. I'm just curious to know what he's doing. He could be doing amazing things. I don't know. I'm just, I'm very intrigued as to, that's a very cool thing to do. You know, so a lot of team leaders I see with a revolving door 
right? And and they get somebody trained to a high level, and then that agent leaves the team because they're like, why do I need the team? I don't need the team anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, too many team leaders, in my opinion, aren't bringing value to the team. They expect the team to bring value to them. Of course, right? You need to be bringing the value. The instruction, the training is the start. The lead producing is another key aspect. But my team needs to produce their own leads as well. I got to teach them how to fish, not give them a fish, right? Mm-hmm. So, but if you're not supplying leads, if you're not supplying training, and you're just asking for a piece of the pie from everybody, eventually they're going to leave you when they know how to do it on their own. Of course. So you got to just continue to bring value. And that's something I still struggle with all the time. What more value can I bring to my team? So I meet with my team and I say, what do you need? What can I do for you? Not what are you going to do for the team? Out of curiosity, like, what are new agents and, you know, relative, like, what are agents biggest gripes about their brokers right what do you, like what do you think the things that their their biggest gripe about the broker is and like what they're lacking truly they're lacking training they're lacking training and direction without a doubt um when you go get your real estate license and your father will tell you you know just enough to be dangerous yeah the this 75 hour class is nothing it's a class on real estate law and some math and you go ahead and pass this 50 question, 100 question test, and boom, your license. The bar is so low to get your license. It takes you two weeks <laughs> and a couple hundred dollars. Now, how do you actually perform in the field? Okay. And that's what they're missing, and that's what I offer, and that's what Realty Connect actually offers, is a mentorship program. Is bringing people under your wing, going through a few transactions with them step by step. You know. We're giving you a license and then charging you with the largest transaction of most people's lives. Yeah. And a lot of these agents have never even bought their own house. Yeah. You know, especially some of the younger agents that are coming into the business. They've never even been through a transaction once. So I, th- I think you need a little more hand-holding in this business and a little less, well, either you made it or you didn't, kid. Yeah, that's, I, th- I think everyone's out the door inside of two to three years because they didn't have that proper hand-holding to get them through. What... um. And is that always like kind of the complaints that you hear? Like, I don't have support. I can't get a hold of my broker. I don't know if they if they complain about it as much as it's just evident. Okay, it's just evident. No, that's just, I mean that's the, the questions one, or the way they're operating. That's the one. That was like the one thing I really liked about Realty Connect, which is again why I set my dad up over there. Like, if you have a have like my dad doesn't deal with John Strauss, he deals with Bart, right? So if you have a problem and you email Bart, like Bart will get back to you. Like, yeah. boom. I, I call Johnny. He calls me back inside of ten minutes. Yeah, Fern will get back yeah. to you. Like they'll get back to you, yeah. which is very, very, which is very cool. Because I feel like a lot of brokers are just like, <laughs> you know, the broker has a responsibility to make sure that they're managing their agents, yeah. right? And if you're an agent and you don't feel like your broker is living up to their responsibility, find a new broker. Ah, uh, exactly. And yeah. let me ask you this, really: How important do you think the split is when compared to actual value? No, listen. In the absence of value, everything is just too expensive. Right? Without a doubt, hundred so, percent. To me, it wasn't about the split. It was never about the split. It was about training. So when I went over to Coldwell, it was because of the training program okay. that Kate had showed me. Okay. And I met I met Kate at a YPN event, the first ever YPN event actually, and uh, I was with I was with Century Twenty One at the time, and the training there. I won't mention which company, but the training there went, was um, when your phone rings, answer it. Yeah, you know, I said after a few months of doing this and not going getting anywhere, I said, "Do you have a mentor, like somebody I could shadow or something?" And they set me up with Bob. Bob was a great guy, God rest his soul. And he uh, he said, "Well, you know, when your phone rings, answer it." And I said, well, "Bob, you know, how do you get your leads? Like, what, what do you do to generate business?" Mm-hmm. He said, "Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a pastor at the church and I'm the past chief of the fire department." It's okay, but I'm not. 
<laughs> what do I do? Right? So I, I met Kate at a YPN event. I knew Kate was going places. I was like, I got to jump on this girl's coattails without a doubt. And um, I, I never even reached out to her. We just friended on Facebook. And I broke my ankle at a Flog and Molly concert a few months later. And I, and I posted a picture on Facebook of me laying on the couch with my broken ankle. And she commented, hey, that looks like it hurts. How's real estate going? Mm. I said, real estate hurts more than my ankle right now. <laughs> I've done nothing. And she said, uh, well, you know, why don't we meet? Why don't we have a drink? And I, I turned to my wife, you know, and I said, if this girl tries to recruit me, you know, there's no way I'm going to let that happen. Right. Here I am, Mr. Naive, who's made $632 so far in his career. And she didn't try to recruit me. <laughs> she took me out. We had a drink. And she said, this is what we offer. And it was a 13-week training program. And it was, wow, like, I've never seen anything like this. Yes, this is what I need. So I jumped ship and I went over there and I went through the training program and I built my business. And that was the foundation. And it didn't matter to me. I was getting a higher split at the previous company, but 70% of nothing is still nothing. Yeah. Right? So I went for a lower split, better training. Then when I got to a level that my managers or my broker were asking me advice, yeah. I was training other agents in the office. Yeah. I had nowhere else to go. And that's okay, and I said, man. you know what? Now it's about split for me. Now it's about I can make more money doing this if I was elsewhere. So, no, and you know, I think I guess it's kind of two schools of thought with that. I think as an employer, right, I think it's that you're, you're, it's yours, and I'm using employer loosely in that situation right. because you're not, right. you're, you're in your own business, but I always think of myself as an employer that it's your responsibility to kind of help people outgrow you. Yeah. Right? And that's okay because in the interim, as you're helping them outgrow you, they're helping you, you know, realize your vision or build your business, et cetera. Absolutely. But sometimes you get to a point where, like, someone just reached a cap in a certain environment and it's time for them to move on and it's not a bad thing. Yeah. What I'm curious to know is, in your personal opinion, at, when you get to a, a level that you're at, when you get to that elite, like, you know, 0.001% of like brokers of, of realtors on Long Island, what's, like, what's the value you're looking for? In, another, in, in my broker? Yes. Uh, giving me the opportunity to continue to grow. So the opportunity that they've given me is to be an in-house mentor and to be an in-house trainer. That's where my true passion is. Yes. I really enjoy training. I really enjoy like taking that new agent, getting them under my wings and, and just watching them grow you know, until I can let them fly without a doubt. Yeah. And that's part of the YPN. That's part of my speaking. That's part of everything that I do. And when they gave me that platform inside of Realty Connect... It was like, okay. And it wasn't for more pay. It wasn't for any type of bonus. It wasn't for anything other than that's my passion. That's what I truly enjoy doing in this business. So now I get to do what I really like while selling houses. Selling houses isn't my passion. You know, the industry is my passion. Training other agents is my passion. I'm really good at selling houses, and that pays my bills. When you you see my social media where like every time we do a podcast episode, there's like a 60-second kind of promotional clip for the person? That was yours. That was mine. That was the nugget. That That's was my why. Every that was, why. that was the gem. Like I, this little thing, like the little hairs on the back of my neck start to stand up in that moment. Maddie, did your hair stand up on the back of your neck? That was the moment. That was the nugget. That was it for me. That was it. That was it. No, it makes it, and that's why I wanted to say because I, I know that you're that you do a tremendous amount of training, that you do coaching, and like on on a wide variety of you know of topics. So what's you know what does the future of that look like? I have eight classes written now. And the future that I was getting those classes approved for continuing education. Okay. So that I can, I don't know. I, I have this weird vision of maybe starting a real estate school mm -hmm. one day. Um, 
I really wanted to take the speaking on a whole nother level and yeah. the instructing on a whole nother level. And then I grounded myself and said, I've got the family at home. I've got to take this step by step and I've got to really make good money in real estate. Mm-hmm. I'm making good money now. I need to make great money. Now I need, I need it to, to automate so that I can work more on my passion. So which is which is the speaking? Which is the speaking. So what what are the next three to five years of Kyle Kelly's life look like? Changing a lot of diapers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, you know. So there's there's all this chatter about okay, you know, who's going for, you know, the next president elect position or president of LIBOR and, there is none and, right and, now, right? There's so, nobody? We don't have a president, mm-hmm. basically. Oh no, for for LIBOR? For LIBOR, yes. yeah, with Diane Scalza. Diane Scalza is our president. Oh, okay. oh the no. president elect is Matt Arnold. So Didn't every year, somebody just step down? No? Not that I know of. A year ago? That's what no? There was no? I don't know what I'm talking about. All right. No, okay. I Keep hope going. nobody stepped out. Diane is still with us. <laughs> so yeah, Matt Arnold's our president elect, and then you've got the executive board. You got your secretary, your treasurer, you've got your VPs of each of the uh, of each of the counties, and then I'm vice president for the east end of Suffolk County. Okay. So Suffolk County's too big to have one VP. Yeah. So I'm the East End Liaison is the title. Uh, from there, if you've been on the executive committee, you can run for president elect, which then becomes the president the following year. Okay. Uh, and there's all this chatter about me running for it. And I said, I've got a newborn. I can't take on, take that on until he's in kindergarten. There's no possible way I'm going to take on that type of responsibility. Dude, that stuff's a lot of work. Like when you were doing white piano, I was like, geez, I was talking to Beth. And I was like, yo, this is, I'm like, Beth, you're... I love... Beth called me the other day. She's like, this is a lot harder than I thought. I'm like... Yeah, I, I'm like... I didn't try to make work. it look easy, but it's a lot of work. It's yeah, no, While you're also selling houses. While you're also building a team. While you're also with your family. It's, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Never mind... The level that I'm at now with the executive committee, and there's a whole lot more work, you know, and there's this responsibility to make sure you're at as many events as you possibly can and supporting the other chapters and supporting the agents in the industry. So. I think the cool thing is, and I think this is what everybody, I hope they, they realize and they felt from from this podcast, which is like, you do all this stuff because you genuinely love to do I it. I love it. Like, I get paid to do it. It's all volunteer. The only thing I get paid to do is sell houses. Like I was having a meeting with somebody last night who was like, I want to change my life. And they were like talking about like money and all this shit. I'm like, dude, forget about money for a second, right? Like money's great to the point where like you know you're not going to starve. But like what do you want from your life? And he's like, why are you like, I'm like, he's like, why are you getting all like, pre-? I'm like, I'm not getting preachy. I'm like, this is very simple. I'm like, what do you want from your life? He's like, I don't know what the right answer is. I'm like, there is no right answer, bro. I'm like, it's your answer. What is it? It could be, I want to make 50 grand a year and I really want to own a restaurant. I want to like, I want to, it doesn't matter what it is. It's your reason. You know, I've heard, I've heard top producers out there bitch about an agent who's making 30 or $40,000 in the, in the industry. They should just leave. So well, no, maybe thirty or forty thousand dollars is all that agent wants or needs to make in their life. It's, yeah, and they're happy, and they're happy. That's fine. Me, I want to make a shit ton of money, and I want to be involved, and I want to be, I want to be a reason for change in the business. You know, I, nice. I, I want those complaints about the agents that aren't doing the things to go away because we're making sure the agents are all doing the right thing. Nice, and I believe you do it, man. And I'm, uh, I'm happy to have a front row seat to it. That's the goal. <laughs> if people want to follow you, if they want to get involved with you, if they want to be on a team. Right with someone that's really mentoring, really cares, really done it, and really on like the the you know the ground level of everything that's going on in the industry. How do they get in touch with you? RealtySourceLI.com or KMKHomes.com are my two websites I got going. I did just build. I'm pretty sure I'll make it active today. If it's not active, RhymesWithSmile.com, 
and that'll have all the links to my social media, my websites, how to get in touch with me. Rhymes with Smile. I don't know what it was. It was a few too many whiskeys one night. Ah, let's buy rhymeswithsmile.com. So now you can go there and, and click on all my links. If it's not active today, it'll be by the end of the day. Uh, that's the easiest way to get in touch with me. Bro, you're the man. Great having you. If oh, you, you have a house that smells like cat pee, is dated from the 1960s, has six inches of mold on the wall, human waste running past the basement steps, commercial, you name it, you know I want to buy it. 516-777 sold. If you have a permit problem, and Lord knows, the guy in the room has definitely had a permit problem oh, or two in his life, yeah. you got to call the captain. 516-513-8838. Most importantly, if anybody can tell me how to trim this beard up symmetrically, if there's a tool or something out there, hit me up on social media at handsome underscore home buyer because I attempted it for the first time yesterday and uh, it's asymmetrical to say the best, to say the least, all right? Thank you, it's a wrap. Orgulloso estoy de mi herencia judía. Ven y a mi leve, ven, slow, cuando me llamas a la torre, así me llamo yo.